Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, coming to you guys live with TJ Matthewson, BeaversEdge.com writer and KGO radio host. We're back with another edition of the podcast. Hope you guys have been doing well. Thanks for checking out BeaversEdge.com and coming and listening to TJ and I. We're here on the opening weekend of Oregon State Baseball. Uh, the Beavers will start their 2023 season in Surprise, Arizona, uh, this weekend with a four-game slate. We'll get into that. Uh, TJ was at uh, Oregon State's baseball media availability yesterday, so we'll grab his thoughts on that. And we'll also look ahead to some of the offseason news that's happening in the Pac-12. Uh, a little bit of uh, rumors that they could be looking at expansion. We've obviously got the media rights deal uh, in tow as well. So lots of stuff going on here in the offseason. Beaver's Edge, pleased to be back with you guys. TJ, what's going on, man? Feels like it's been forever, man. How are you? It has been forever. Got to go to Arizona last week. Just scouted out a little bit for the Bees before they went down there, although they're in like the corner of the Phoenix metro area, far yeah. away from where everything was actually happening over the past week. Uh, spent a little bit of time in Tempe and Scottsdale, the uh, the nice parts of uh, of the Phoenix metro. Got some sun, watched Very some nice. golf, got some Super Bowl merch. It was it was pretty good. Ate some great food. Oh, my Ooh, goodness. Yeah, so many options. So many options down there. So it, I, I was very pleased, and I'm sure the Beavs will get pleased to to go and get some sunlight down there in, uh, in Surprise. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, TJ, the, you, can can you share some of that vitamin D through the screen? Like, I'll, I'll take some of the vitamin D I hope you so. absorbed, man. It's like, sunny today. It's it sunny is. today. It's sunny up there in Portland, is it? It is. As we are recording this podcast on Wednesday, it is sunny with blue skies at the moment. The problem is it's quite cold. So, you know, I mean, again, coming <laughs> coming at this as a warm weather guy, I'll I'll go ahead and preface that. Not a big I'll, fan I'll of the tell cold, you what, but... I'll tell you what. Just just cuz it said like it like on Friday when we were at the waste management open, it was 75 degrees and warm outside. Sure. By the afternoon, it was like it was perfect like shorts weather. It was great. But the mornings, I will tell you, are were as bad as cold as it is right now. I mean, it was mm, freezing. Yeah. We're standing there in line Waiting to get in, of course, if you haven't gone to the 16th hole on the on the Waste Management Phoenix Open, <laughs> yeah. you probably should. You probably should, but to get into the stands, you need to get there at 6, six in the morning or earlier and wait in line before the gates open at 7. And while you yeah. sit there and you wait in line, it is freezing cold. It is, it is rigid. Yeah, no kidding. What time uh, were you guys uh, getting your first tee off? So there was some... Uh, there were groups from the day before on Thursday that actually hadn't finished. Oh, gotcha. so we had golfers in the 16th hole by about seven thirty, seven forty-five. Oh, nice, which crazy. nice. It's about because early. The though. first time yeah. I went, first time I went, February of 2020, we went on a Saturday, and there were no there were no leftover rounds from the 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 day before. So the yeah. first golfers didn't make it to 16 until about nine forty-five in the morning. So you have about two and a half hours to sit around and wait for the first golfers that's just to get your seats on the 16th hole it's, yeah it's pretty crazy yeah you know it's funny tj that you mentioned that because real quick um you know for anyone that's out there i feel like anyone that took and planned a vacation in february of 2020 should just get a little kudos and a medal because they were you know ahead of the game on what was going to happen you know a month later no big deal right i remember well, i was because- in i was in school Oh, okay. So there you go. Like for me, I remember taking a big vacation. I took a big vacation in February of 2020 and I was like, 
Oh, well, glad I didn't plan that out for a month later, but neither here nor there. Glad you had a good, <laughs> glad you had a good time down there in Arizona, TJ. And now that you're back, uh, obviously uh, went to uh, Oregon State's baseball media availability yesterday. You caught up with Mitch Canham for us. Uh, what was the kind of the mood that you got from the baseball team before they headed out for Arizona, other than the fact that they're looking forward to some sunshine too? They're pretty high on this roster. I, I was listening back to, to Ryan Gibson, who came on our radio show yesterday and talked with Mike Parker and John Warren. It's like, so this was taking place right as the media availability was happening. So I didn't get to listen to, to Ryan Gibson live. We were instead hearing Mitch live. Sure. But I thought the quote, besides from all the stuff Mitch says, you know what, Mitch loves to talk. You ask him a question, yeah, he could talk for about 10 minutes if, if you yep. really wanted him to about that subject. Yep. Uh, but so before we get into into what Mitch said, the thing that has really stuck out to me the most of hearing from this pitching staff is Ryan Gibson said that he thought the talent level of this current team was at the same level, just less experienced than the 2018 roster. Wow. He, he said that pretty confidently. You know, wow. the, the team with Trevor Larnick and Stephen Kwan and Adley Rutschman and Nick Madrigal. And, yeah. Kate you know, Grenier. Right? I mean, yeah, Kate just Grenier, keep going. Met. Right. It, it's uh, it, that was an wow. absolute, uh, you know, a national champion loaded roster. So, so he wow. said that, you know, despite the fact they're less experienced and I'm confident athletically and, and just guild wise, I think these guys are as, are, are as talented as a 2018 group. I was like, well, that's a pretty, high, that's a pretty high bar to set. It's a very so high I bar. Think about it. You know, so, so, so Mitch, you know, echoes that same confidence. They, they really love all the young guys and the new guys they brought in. There's going to be a lot of new faces. They have essentially yeah. an entire outfield to replace, and they have an entire starting pitching rotation to replace. So if you think about the guys you lost from last year, right, you're losing your, your arguably two best hitters, Justin Boyd and Jacob Melton, and you're losing, you know, Cooper Jerpy, an all-American ace, and you're losing, a, a, you know, a very quality weekend guy in Jake Fenix, and you're losing right. a guy who you thought was going to be the ace this year in Wolf Frisch. He's hurt, and you're like, well, he's hurt. Maybe he won't sign, but instead he does sign. So you have yeah. to replace an entire new rotation. So right. as it sets right now, as it sounds like uh, Trent Sellers is starting game one on Friday. Jacob Kamatz is going to start game two on um, Saturday. And then after that, you know, they'll mix and match, you know, an A.J. Lattery, a Jaron Hunter, uh, and sure. a couple other names that slipped my mind uh, of what to take away. But even though they're replacing all those innings, it seems like they're pretty confident, especially in the guy like Trent Sellers, of what he's going to do. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, watching the video myself, it seemed like Mitch does have a lot of confidence in Trent Sellers. He'll obviously get the ball uh, on Friday against uh, New Mexico. The Lobos are going to be uh, the season opening uh, opponent. 11 a.m. Uh, first pitch down there in Surprise on Friday. So make sure to uh, grab a uh, grab a cup of coffee and uh, some early uh, early lunch uh, for the uh, the first baseball game down there in Surprise. They got two games uh, against New Mexico on Friday and Sunday and then play Minnesota on Saturday and UCSB on Monday before returning next weekend for a um, non-conference series uh, at Goss Stadium. TJ, I'm actually we'll, we'll get it more into this weekend real quickly, but real quick, uh, I'm very surprised actually now relooking at the schedule again that Oregon State's got three games at Goss Stadium in February. Usually we see the Beavers on the road for the first couple weeks, not just the one. Um, you know, obviously with Goss Stadium being, I think ninety or ninety-five percent turf. It might be all turf now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, TJ. Can't. Remember off the top of my head, if it's the pitcher's mound specifically, but 
it can play through quite a bit of water. And, you know, this, this time of year, it can be pretty wet up here in the PNW, as you know. We were talking to Josh Warden on the show earlier today, and Josh will be down there calling the first three weeks on the radio. So he'll be he'll be on the call when he comes back here. They come back here and play Coppin State. He's, he nice. was looking at the forecast. He says he doesn't envision uh, it's going to be too wet next weekend. Oh, nice. I don't, I don't think it's supposed to be wet this weekend either. Funny oh. enough, the Ducks are opening at home. Did you wow. realize that? They're, I think they're playing no. Xavier at home for That's three. Incre- like, so, just I mean, from, pretty yeah, extreme. Just, just from all my years of, of following Oregon State baseball and then all my years of covering Oregon State baseball, um, it has just been like lock stop. Like you are a team that's in a northern climate. You don't play at home for the first week, at least two weeks. So hearing that about Oregon is very surprising. But, hey, you know, if you can, play, you know, hit the weather correctly, TJ, it's, you know, you can play baseball right now. It's sunny, beautiful, nice, little crisp, but no problem, right? Just- don't have one in on your head. Don't have one in on your hands. <laughs> yeah, gonna be a little a little stiff. But uh, back to this weekend. Uh, uh, obviously, Mitch uh, mentioned that Trent Seller is gonna get the ball on Friday. Then he also said that Jaron Hunter is gonna get, or excuse me, uh, Kamats on Saturday. And then from there, like you said, most likely a mix of Jaron Hunter. I heard Ian Lawson can maybe be in the mix too. A um, couple mm-hmm. other guys. Um, you know, that's the interesting thing about these four game series. And I should say, you know, there's only. I think the Beavers, let's see, they have a four-game series uh, this weekend, just three games against uh, Coppin State, but then four against Cal Poly uh, the following week. So some of these four-game series, TJ, they kind of give you a chance to go a little further with your arms as far as starters, as opposed to regular conference games when you just need three guys in a weekend to quote-unquote start, you know? Well, it's kind of the same concept because in all those three-game conference series, you usually have one or two midweek games that you'd need those That's guys for anyway. Very true. Very true. So whoever starts on Monday, you know, you could say, well, they might be lining up then again to start for a midweek game. Or, you know, who starts the fifth game of a week if you have two sure. midweek games? I sure. don't know. Uh, so, you know, it's something to think about. And it'll test the depth early because there's no certainties really in this Beaver rotation. You have the ret- the return of Jacob Kamatz, and they're, they're really in love with what Jacob has done and, and he's grown over the offseason. He's up to five pitches that he likes to throw, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of velocity wise, there's not really a jump up there that much, but um, uh, apparently his change up has grown quite a bit and and what he likes to throw. So it'd be interesting to see for him, but you know, that's like the most certain thing in the rotation and Jacob Kamatz last year, he was fine. Yeah, he he was, he was, he was fine. I mean, he ate up a lot of innings, but he wasn't going to blow anyone away and really, you know, be a true dominant Friday guy. So that's sure. why I look at the rest of the rotation and say it's unknown. It, it really sure. is. Uh, last thing on the pitching before we switch gears and talk a little uh, little defense, a little offense. And, um, you know, we'll obviously get into the offense, which has a, a few returning players and not quite as new as the pitching rotation, as TJ mentioned. Um, but right off the bat, um, we've got to go ahead and mention the pitching staff. Mitch Canham uh, dropping to the media yesterday, TJ, that Ben Ferrer is going to be uh, out of action for – undisclosed amount of time as uh, he's dealing with a bout of mono. So surprising. So they, they dropped that on us and Ben says he feels fine. Mitch made it a point. If you go watch the video on beaversedge.com or the beavers Edge YouTube, he said, Ben has told him multiple times, Hey, I'm fine. But they said they test him once a week to say, Hey, we want this all the way out of your system. Sure. We want this to not be an issue. We talked about this before that we started the podcast recording. Mono can take, a whole range of time yeah. to, to be done. 
Ben Ferrer could be out the next month and a half. If like, if they really think that's necessary, he could. And that sure. is big because yeah. he is your weapon out of the bullpen. Like, I don't know how to describe it besides weapon. Hey, we're in a pinch here in the third inning. Our starter just got blown up. Okay, calling Ben three innings, boom, dominant. Right. right. Do you need a guy in the eighth inning to come in and really just blow guys away all out for one inning? Boom, Ben's your guy. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Ryan Brown was, you know, a version of that. He mostly closed, but as Mitch said, we're gonna try and work Ryan in in the most high leverage spot. It doesn't necessarily need to be the ninth inning. Right. And it's gonna to increase mention- his load. Right. And not to mention, there's also positions where I'm, you know, based on what I've heard from Mitch, you know, in this most recent availability and the one a couple weeks ago preview in the season, he's even just talked about how much he loves uh, Ferrer's versatility. Like you said, how he can do maybe do go get two batters here, go do five innings here. Uh, Oregon State's fighting their way out of a loser's bracket. You need to go start like that, that, that range of confidence. I mean, is it a stretch to say that he is their most their their most like their their best pitcher overall right now could be i know like i usually weight it yeah. starters are obviously more valuable than a, than a reliever sure. is so if ben sure. if ben was eventually by the end of the season gets elevated to the friday starter then yeah i mean yes sure. absolutely in terms of locking down a game you are leading though i think ben Ben is the most important first guy out of the bullpen. I mean, yeah, he could probably he, he's an preseason All American for a reason, right? right. And and, so it, and it, it, it will be a big loss. It'll be a big loss. And at this point, you know, at the beginning of the season, if the offense gets hot like they did at the beginning last year, where they're scoring double digit runs at will, not as big of an issue. But if they're playing some tight games here early, it's gonna you know it's gonna be really it's gonna be interesting on this coaching staff and how they're gonna piece together sort of that bridge to to yeah. Ryan Brown and guys they have confidence in because I don't know if they have any more confidence in, in, in you know, anyone on the roster besides Ben Ferrer, like that, yeah. that level of confidence. He's that good. Yeah. And I even saw uh, watching that video from yesterday that you mentioned over on the beavers YouTube, Mitch Canham's like, I don't hand out captains, but if I was going to Ben would be like the first guy, you know, up near the top of that list. So I think, you know, that speaks volumes to, to where Ben is uh, for sure. And I think and this is a guy who's been in the program for one season. Right. And I think that's special. Or and, one and a know, half, but right. And more than anything, you know, as we say this, obviously wish Ben a very speedy recovery. Definitely hope he gets better soon because that's, that's definitely a, a rough, a rough bout of something to deal with. So hopefully he'll be back and healthy uh, soon for the Beavers. But you mentioned the outfield. There's a couple holes to plug there, TJ. Uh, but for the most part, there's some good offense coming back. I mean, you've got Garrett Forrester back. You've got Travis Bazana back. You've got some other pieces. Where do you what do you like so much about the offense? And who do you think are some of those candidates to kind of maybe fill the uh, early spots uh, in the outfield? Man, out, outfield is a is a tricky tricky bunch. They like Ruben yeah. Cedillo, Lynn Benton transfer, yeah. uh, Lynn Benton Community heard, College yep. down right down the road here. Um, they, they really like him in the outfield. Uh, um, you know, uh, Brady Casper uh, is back yep. as well. He'll be he'll be an he'll be an option out there. Easton Tolt, who's caught a lot, uh, but they really like his uh, his option in the outfield. Gavin Turley as well. We'll see yes. some time in the outfield. Yep. I mean, you get, we like people. Remember, I mean, no, Gavin Turley was supposed to be like a second round pick this past yeah. year. Yeah, 
in Major League Bay. He was going to command of like over a million dollars of signing bonus, but decided to come here to Oregon State as well. I mean, that's the kind of talent that's going to be out there in the outfield with Gavin Trilly. I am mm-hmm. really excited to watch him uh, in the home opener a week from uh, a week from Friday against Coppin State. I'm going to try and be there. I'm the one I want to watch him uh, uh, hit a ball a, a mile and a half. We'll uh, we'll make sure we'll make sure we knock out all the all the work we have to do, and then we'll uh, we'll get over to the field because it'll be it'll be interesting for an 18 year old kid to to go there and to to get some of the praise that he's gotten. And, and if you hear Mitch yesterday, he's like, I feel bad for anyone that parks in left field while Gavin Turley's hitting. He said, Yeah, Gavin hit the same car three times. Ooh, yeah, no, <laughs> same I, round. And and let me let me tell you, TJ. Back when I was a student at Oregon State, I would park in that parking lot frequently. And that was when, you know, Oregon State had Trevor Larnick in, in, in the mix. He, he would hit some deep balls every now At least now Trevor and again Larnick's too. a lefty. That's true, right? But it would be, you know, there would, you know, same kind of thing. I remember there were some balls that definitely got hit out. I'm trying to think if there was anybody. Not, thankfully, none ever came close, but oh, yeah. Like that. KJ you know, Harrison. The, yeah, I remember KJ put a few balls over the over the uh, over that wall. I'm like, I'm trying to think, man. It's like you're 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 asking me to dig back deep into the bag of tricks, dude. Some five years ago now, I'm like, oh yeah, how many baseballs we see go over? That was that was a quite the year, but um, but yeah, no, I think that's um, I think that's 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 as good a praise as you can get early on, TJ, because going back to the last time Oregon State had, and you know, don't mean to. You know, say say this negatively to take away from what was accomplished the last couple of years, but the last time Oregon State had what I believed to be was a true like national championship contending roster was that 2018 team. And usually I've noticed to get to that point, you usually need to have about two, three guys on your roster who just flat out chose not to go to the pros when they absolutely could have. And I remember back to 2016 when Pat Casey was like, oh, wow, we got Nick Madrigal and Caden Grenier. Both those guys probably could have been playing Major League Baseball, but they're here, right? And then you saw, you know, extrapolated more guys, obviously, than just those two, but you saw how big that was to have two guys that were, you know, arguably pro prospects playing college baseball and why Oregon State won so many games if they were a big reason why. But um, offensively, uh, where do you think the power is going to come from beyond uh, Forrester and Bazana this year? Turley, and that's they're, they're not. It's not gonna. Uh, I. Do you think the expectations for not, him are that big right away, like right out of the gate, kind of a th- which you know very well, very well. Could pro- be, I but... mean, he's ha- having not watched him and only read stuff online. <laughs> I mean, he's me probably too, right? got the best power on the team, right? I mean, I'm, yeah, my, I, I like I, we don't get to go to practice and watch. Him no, Turley. yeah, but taking everyone's word, he yes. probably has the best power on the team as a true freshman. I mean, it's I, incredible. That that was his calling card when he was going to, you know, go to the draft. I mean, this guy's got pro power and we're going to see that this year. Maybe he's not going to hit the volume of home runs this year, but he'll barrel a baseball and then you're, it's going to probably make your, your mouth drop open. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited. It's going to be really exciting. Brendan, another thing. You said Forrester. I mean, I, I, I'm expecting, you know, from what uh, Ryan Gibson said, he's like, I'm, I'm expecting a a good power jump from Travis Bazzani. He said, he's really hitting the ball in the air with backspin to all fields. That's a, that's a true power profile for a guy who's, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a shorter frame uh, of Travis and playing second base. The bat only has, you know, so much power potential in it, but it sounds like we might get, you know, a, a little bit of a jump from power right. for Travis Bazana 
uh, you know, for as good of a swing as he has. And again, as long as you just keep hitting that sweet spot and get the ball in the air and hit it with some backspin, it it, it will travel and it it could travel out. Yeah, no kidding. And like I said, I'm excited to see, you know, both those guys and hearing that that note on Bazana really makes me excited because that kid was very special last year. So again, uh, Friday is going to be first pitch down there in surprise. Make sure uh, to stick with beaversedge.com as we'll have uh, uh, a running running game thread tomorrow on Friday, uh, tracking uh, the opener down there uh, for the Beavers. So kicking off another baseball season. In a way, it's kind of crazy because it feels like, you know, Oregon State just finished with Auburn not too long ago. That still is very fresh in my mind. And yet here we are ready for another season. So definitely excited to get after it and uh, make sure to stay locked as, you know, we'll uh, myself and TJ and uh, we'll have, you know, Oregon state baseball coverage uh, throughout the season, but switching gears here for the second half of the podcast, uh, something we got to touch on because it is so prevalent right now across uh, the PAC 12 conference, not baseball. No, we're going to switch gears and talk football in February. Yes, football in February, folks. The Pac-12 Conference, reportedly in the last couple of weeks, has been eyeing some expansion candidates, TJ. There's been some rumors of SMU. George Klevkoff was seen at an SMU basketball game, being all elbow-to-elbow uh, 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 elbow with uh, the muckety-mucks up there in uh, uh, SMU. And then uh, obviously hearing some good things from San Diego State to the grapevine as well. Um they, their university feels really confident about their chances at expansion into the Pac-12. And uh, then the big other balloon that's weighing over all the rest of it is the media rights deal. And, you know, that obviously is at the forefront because that's set to expire, uh, I believe, at the end of this season. Uh, so, TJ, we'll obviously get into the expansion a little bit and obviously the media rights. But let's talk, let's talk just very, uh, very simply with the two teams. Did SDSU and SMU do anything for you? It's better than not having anybody. Right. To, to start, it's better than letting USC and UCLA leave and not having anything to replace them with. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I don't even – is SMU even the number one team in Dallas? I assume it is because the Dallas-Fort Worth market is the number five media market in the U.S. That's Fort not Worth terrible. Go- Fort Worth is going to have TCU first. TCU, probably. right. Okay. Yeah. But, but after that, when sure. you look at the market, when you look at when you look at the market, it throws them all together. Sure. So, regardless if people watch or not, they will be on people's TVs in that in area. Dallas, right? You think? Well, actually, yes. well, maybe not even. Well, on we'll, TV, we'll get we into that. Talk about that later. <laughs> we'll get into that. San Diego State uh, makes sense academically. I know they're a very good academic school. Number twenty-eight media market, Southern California. Uh, fun fact, only Ohio State has more combined men's basketball and football wins since 2010 uh, than nice. San Diego State does. Yeah, I mean, so well. For that, that's a plus there. They but are I'm, competitive. I, I, keep reading all the, I keep reading all these things about how bad the Pac-12 fumbled USC and UCLA. The media rights deal with USC and UCLA would have been easily over $50 million per school if they stayed. They might not even get 30 now. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the fact that we were put and I say we as a collective Pac-12 whole here, we were put into this position by, you know, missteps by the previous commissioner, I think is a big part of it. I think the Pac-12 may be overvaluing, um, you know, their product a little bit. I think the Pac-12 not being aggressive with expansion, you know, right away. You know, um, I think I saw someone post on beaversedge.com. 
Why not grab XYZ team three years ago? Great question. You know, it, it, it's, it's absolutely a fair point. Um, but yeah, I mean, the media market has completely shifted as far as, like you said, with those things. But the reality is you still have to find a way and chart a path forward. And as you mentioned, I don't know all about the details of academics and all that, but I know that San Diego State was recently named a tier one research university for the academia part of this. Apparently, that's a really big deal put San Diego State into a, a, a new kind of threshold as far as academic prowess. Um, as TJ mentioned, San Diego State's always competitive in football. Every time Oregon State's played them the last, you know, you know, I think they played them twice in the last decade, two tough games. You know, I think back to last year when Utah went to the Rose Bowl and San Diego State beat them in Salt Lake in the preseason. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely some competitiveness there. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard went to San Diego State. So there's the basketball program that you talked about. And, you know, that's still very recent history. Um, SMU is a little more interesting to me because, you know, I think it gives you the aspect to, you know, recruit Texas a little bit and, you know, kind of fold the Texas market into it. But at the same token, you're kind of already recruiting Texas anyway. I think it just kind of turns out to be a warm body, so to speak, kind of like how, we saw, I think San Diego State fits to bring back the Southern California mold that they need, but SMU fits the mold mm-hmm. of a warm body. And, you know, I was kind of laughed at this a little bit on my radio station when when we when I mentioned, you know, maybe this is a fact. SMU still has a ton of history in football. It's history that's 35, 40 years ago, but it's still history, right? What's in between there right. is death penalty stuff, and you can't rewrite that, but Eric Dickerson, Craig James. I mean, they, I mean, there are some big time, you know, football history at that university. So that part of it's appealing to me from 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 that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then you said the Dallas TV market, but the bigger question I think here, TJ, is from what I have heard through the grapevine, it's that the conference may get more money if they're willing to mix and match their TV deals. Say, you know, maybe. ESPN or Fox or whatever takes a percentage of it and a percentage of it goes to a prime video or an Apple TV plus or something along those lines. And it's part streaming, part cable, part, you know, national TV, depending on the game. And I think that's the best case scenario for PAC 12 right now. TJ is probably trying to cozy up to one of these streaming services, i.e. a prime that is making, um, you know, prime video NFL football this last year, it was a little bit of a workaround for the first couple weeks, but by the time the mid season got going, just about anybody knew how to fire up prime and so on and so forth. I'd like to think most of you out there get those packages with that little smiley face delivered to your door. So you're already, you know, one step of the way there. And I think it would be something unique that the conference could hold as their own kind of like TJ, how we see baseball like has the the- network. Maybe, but as baseball has worked with Apple TV Plus so far. Sure. Uh, I know we don't have that much time left. Uh, just like the, the issue I have with that is I just don't think there's much TV space available. So like Fox is no longer interested in anything Pac-12 related. They have USC and UCLA and they have right. the Big Ten. They don't feel like they need anything else. NBC is set. CBS today was reported today that they are no longer involved in Pac-12 negotiations. Yep. That's three of the major cable sites that are like, eh, 
yeah, we're good. They, they like they're just like we're we're better off not carrying you at all. Yeah, right. ESPN has interest because they still have a ten thirty slot available. They have that Correct. after that dark ESPN slot available. But that's about it. There's not much else room. It, it the, from what it sounds like is that the conference is going to go with that ESPN slot, some assorted sprinkled stuff elsewhere, maybe, and then like. 80% Amazon where they can actually be on at a decent time at, at a, for a 4.30 right. kickoff, for a, for a noon kickoff too. Like there, there's, you know, it, it just it, – the Pac-12 was not aggressive enough with their negotiations, right. and they're really paying for it. What the Big 12 did is they went out a year before their – well before their media rights expired, and instead of putting their rights out on the open market, they went to ESPN and Fox, their current partners, and said, hey – Let's negotiate our next one. And they did that, and right. now they're going to get $31.6 million a year per school, and they won't right. have to worry about it. While the Pac-12 is sitting here being like, anyone want us? Anyone am want I, us? Because right, right now they're a little desperate, and that's like it's not going to be good financially because all these networks and the streaming services know they don't have to overpay for the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has no one to bid against. So I guess in that sense, TJ – Let's look for a shorter-term deal. Maybe you won't win, but maybe you go, hey, we'll do a shorter-term deal. Watch what happens with all these quarterbacks in our conference this year, right? Maybe you can build back up some of that momentum and you want to – because that was the thing with Larry Scott was it was a very long media rights deal. Maybe shorter terms and reevaluate if you're not going to get what you want. But last point on this, TJ, maybe I'm left field. Am I the only one that thinks it'd be kind of cool to have the Pac-12 on Prime Video? Like, name me someone you know, TJ, who's not not a Prime subscriber in 2023. Are you living under a rock? It's not that it wouldn't be cool, and it's not that it wouldn't be hard to watch. It's just like, would you, would you, can you get people to watch? Can you make money? That's the most important thing. Can it make money? We don't know. Maybe, maybe. No, there's been no conference. And maybe it's a boom, and maybe the Pac-12 leads the way. It's like, hey, this is the future of television. Everyone I, loves streaming, and we got there first. That would be the dream scenario. But right. as of right now, it's just like it's all a question. There's nothing certain about it. Right, and I think that's a good point too. And I, I you know, I don't mean to say it, you know, negatively. I'm just saying, like, with this world where we are all so getting used to streaming, whether it's popping it up on our phones, popping it up, and I think, you know, what Prime did with NFL football this year. And again, first couple weeks, you know, I remember hearing all the, you know, the sports bars couldn't find it and this and that. But, you know, once it settled in, you know, you didn't hear a whole lot of people upset that Thursday night football was on NFL or on Prime. Was that because, you know, how it worked out and it was Thursday night football? Maybe. But I think the Pac-12 has a potential there. And like you said, TJ, maybe they find something that is new and breaking. But at this point, Still a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty. And at this moment, you know, the viability of the conference is still very much in question. So TJ and I will obviously be back with another edition uh, of the podcast uh, here in the next week or two. We'll uh, uh, continue on and we'll do a breaking podcast if we hear any more, uh, anything new with the uh, media rights negotiations and whatnot. But as it currently stands, Pac-12 looking at expansion because the more teams could lead to more money for the conference. So I think they're going to leave no stone unturned in that. I think we could see some developments in that um, kind of neck of the woods soon. So we'll all keep tabs on that. TJ, thanks for jumping on the pod, man. Looking forward to uh, jumping on next time. And uh, we'll talk uh, some Oregon State baseball and some conference expansion uh, next week. 
Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks to everyone for watching this edition of the Edge Podcast. We'll be back with another edition.